All right, you want to talk about New Year's resolutions? Yeah. Mine were to get into a hobby and to fix my knee. Yeah. And I'm well on my way to both. Hell yeah. Hobby is a little bit looser because, and this isn't even what I had in mind when I was talking about hobbies. Like, I really wanted to be (laughs) woodworking or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. But sort of like for the time being, exercise has become a sort of hobby. And mm. like I had mentioned, like maybe, maybe I want to get into yoga or something. Well, let me start from the beginning, I guess. So I had made um, an appointment with a sports medicine specialist to get my knee looked at for an injury that I had four years ago that has been recurring on and off. And it turns out that... <laughs> What might have happened, but is unconfirmed because I couldn't get into the doctor for four months, <laughs> is that shortly before playing a show last fall, I was kneeling, getting my guitar out of its case, and in the process of standing up, partially tore a tendon. <laughs> and it was a tendon that's already weak because that injury first happened four years ago. I don't know to what extent, because back then I was just told like, oh yeah, your tendon shifted a little bit because of muscle strain. Mm. So how much has been muscle strain, how much has been tearing, (laughs) (laughs) and how much has been like damage due to atrophy because I've tried not to use the leg for fear of re-injuring it. Mm. It all remains to be seen because I I have not been seeing a doctor constantly for every one of these incidents. Mm. It's just like a sort of pain that I've gotten used to over time. Yeah. Um, But I finally got in with the sports medicine specialist and I get to start physical therapy in a few weeks and see where that goes. Now, on top of that, leading up to this, I've wanted to like be educated enough once I finally got in to see the doctor about what could possibly be going wrong, um, what muscle groups are affected by this injury and what muscle groups are kind of like have begun to atrophy. And Going into this, I want a solid, and this is basically how the time worked out, like I had a solid two months or so of just doing resistance band training on my own, um, very, very light reconditioning Mm. um, to see like what point I can get myself back up to by the time I get in to see the doctor so that I can be pretty and like more or less pretty informed of like what my strength level is in that leg and so that I can just like have as much data as possible. Yeah. To to share with them, you know. So that has helped out. I get to go to physical therapy. And leading up to that, you and I have just been talking about exercising and different fitness adjacent things <laughs> a lot. And like that has been very exciting to me and very like it's a world that I haven't been into for like ten years. Mm. So I don't know if that counts as a hobby or just like a very necessary interest for the moment. Mm. But it's serving that role for me currently. Dude, I would say it definitely counts as one, just based on how we were sort of defining them. Yeah. Back at least when we were having that conversation. Like it's it's totally, yeah, it's just something that captures that excitement and creates interest from previous interests. Like that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> to me, that's always been what a hobby needs to be. And I've had a similar thing with the exercise stuff that like I just neglected it for so long and then, kind of remembered like oh yeah there's all this stuff you can do if your body works and like started getting into it that's fun so well for me i was i was categorizing hobby as something that would help me develop new skills Mm -hmm. but would not define me in any way would not like shape my identity 
would yeah. not like shape who I am as like a public facing person. And in that way, like it has very much helped. I'm not like posting Instagram videos of my <laughs> daily progress with rehab, you know? Yeah. Like that. I'm not interested in that. So it could have been a lot of different things. And there have been other skills that I'm trying to develop as well, but none of them really count in the same way. And I haven't been devoting my time to them in the same way, but mm. you know, there are different things that I'm trying to be better at cooking and like other stuff like that. So, yeah, but yeah, it counts as a hobby as much as anything else would. Yeah. Um, okay. And yours were, uh, one of them was to get off phones <laughs> more quickly or get out of rooms more quickly. <laughs> like just in general, like be able to exit social interactions more fluidly and in a more timely fashion. I think that was one of them. Yeah. Do you remember if there was a second one? <laughs> well, the second one was very close. We already talked about this on an episode that we taped, but is not out yet about like, uh, acting more deliberately or like treating treating the time in your day more deliberately and like oh, with yeah. more intentionality yes yeah behind like your day-to-day schedule so and so like, there's a whole other episode that's coming out so we don't have to cover that necessarily but like yeah um, there's a whole episode coming out about using habit trackers and keeping track of your um daily schedule and agenda and progress and stuff so i guess that can wait to the but if you want to touch on that briefly yeah, well, or like the progress that you felt with either one of those well i mean that stuff's been going well i mean i I'd probably nothing has really changed since we taped that so we can leave the details to that episode but yeah yeah i mean i think that one's been going okay and the the pivoting out of social interactions and stuff that is proving to be about as challenging as i expected like it's just a matter of kind of like rewiring some of my responses to those situations like Mm -hmm. just understanding that like this doesn't make you a bad person you know like you can just leave that kind of stuff but i have noticed that by paying attention to that i do it in more places than in person or you know vocal interactions or whatever like sometimes it's even emails and texting Mm -hmm. it's like i'll take forever to respond to a text or an email it'll be open and I'll be looking at it, but I just won't like fire it off. And then I, I know other people who are like extremely like efficient and, and fast with stuff like that. And I'll send them something and boom, I get something right back. And I know that like they're moved on to their next thing. And I'm looking at my own stuff and I'm like, I have other things. Why the hell am I not moving on to those things? Uh, and I'm realizing it's because I feel like I'm going to come off like a dick. You know, if I just send some kind of curt reply or whatever, or if it's too fast, they might think that I didn't pay attention to it or something. And I've realized how many situations that holds me hostage in. Mm-hmm. And it's been extremely enlightening <laughs> to sort of catch that. And I <laughs> will say that I've gotten significantly better with the written stuff. Okay. Like just just by seeing it and by catching myself with it. It's been it's allowed me to be a little bit more ruthless with it. And I, I really enjoy that. Um but it's still hard like with more in-person or on-the-phone stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's a little bit better, but very counterintuitive. <laughs> you know, I've just never <laughs> like allowed myself that. So yeah. it's been interesting. Though. I've been more conscious of it since you brought it up, and I've been looking for like where that kind of affects me too. And I find roughly the same thing. Like there are times that I'm really good at it, and it depends on the people that I'm with. It depends on like how, like how well the interpersonal cues are being received throughout the interaction. Yeah. 
And if like so far everything has been great and like fluid and flawless, then it's going to be easier to leave that room. Yeah. Say goodbye, hang up, whatever. And then there are times when like, okay, if an interaction has been like a little bit awkward and there's been some stumbling, when there's any sort of ambiguity to Mm -hmm. like your interpersonal dynamic, then it's like, oh, well, who should be the one to say goodbye or who should be the one to dip out of this? And like, I found it a lot. I've been like looking out for it in the uh, humanist meetings. Yeah. And uh, because I'm always the one to start the meeting and to end it. And then I'm like, if it feels like it's time to end the meeting, what do I say to end it? And usually there's like kind of, there's not really a script to it. Mm. There's kind of like a loose start and end time to the meetings and that helps. Yeah. But I thought about like developing more of a script, but that, then that seems too impersonal. Yeah. I think though you do a good job with those because it is like, as soon as we hit that hour, it kind of feels like, you know, this is bonus minutes now. Yeah. Like we, which they're always still very good, but it's like, it's, it feels like that pressure is lifted. Like now it's not going to be weird if anybody has to go. Like there's no way oh, it right. could be because we've, people could be busy. They might've only left an hour in their calendar, that kind of thing. So it's like yeah. immediately there's a counter to any, like, well, I wonder if they wanted me to stay on longer. Or I wonder, you know, like at least, I mean, granted, I'm not in your position there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a sense of just kind of like sympathetic relief when that happens where I would otherwise feel that sympathetic, like, oh, I wonder if anybody, I don't know, just, I always overanalyze that kind of stuff. Like I always think like of the different ways somebody could take that signing off or whatever. And do you notice it's harder when people kind of know you better? Like whether it's as that group evolved and we started to have more regulars. So like, you know, everyone starts to know each other's um, style a little bit or just friends and family versus like a client or a acquaintance or something? No, I've, I kind of find it easier when I know the person better. That's interesting. I'm the opposite, like exact opposite. Well, cause I know that I'm going to, I, it won't be that long until I talk to them again or like they're, they'll be easy for me to access or I'll be easy for them to access if the conversation isn't done, but just needs to be done for the meantime. Yeah. I'll feel a little bit of an of anxiety. I don't know if I'd classify it as anxiety, but for the sake of this conversation, sure. Um, like if I sense that someone is about to get off the phone with me, mm-hmm. and like I'm not going to be the one to say goodbye. <laughs> like I'll start feeling like I I want this to continue. Like I don't want them to leave. Yeah, and it's never like a painful thing. Yeah, it's just like. If I sense that, like, if, if there's a silence and I sense that somebody is about to say, well, I should hop off the phone, then I'll start feeling like, uh-oh, uh-oh, this is it. <laughs> this is the farewell. Yeah. And I don't know why. Again, like, it doesn't it doesn't hurt. Yeah. But I, I, I think that anxiety is just the anxiety that one, like you and I, would tend to feel around the awkwardness of saying goodbye. Yeah. And not the impending absence of somebody. That's the whole reason I wanted to work on this kind of thing. Cause I realized it's literally just social anxiety. It's I'm not anxious about anything happening yeah. or not happening or being there or not being there. It's literally just the script of it. Like, yeah, I just feel so um, like such a lack of confidence around what the hell you're supposed to do in that moment. And I watch other people do it and I'm like, that's, that feels fine. But if I say those words, 
it feels mean or it feels forced. It's like the verbal equivalent of like resting bitch face. I feel like I, <laughs> I get that sometimes. Yeah. And like, okay, I noticed this on the phone with you the other night mm. when like it was, you know, we were, we were talking about, it was right after I had like gone to the doctor and we were talking about that stuff. And, uh, you had said that you couldn't talk for that long anyway, cause you were pretty wiped out. Yeah. So I knew that it was coming but yeah. like, in a way that made it like worse. Like with every like little lull in the conversation, I was just like, oh, it's coming. Here we go. And it was just the knowledge that like that social mechanism, which is just a mechanism, yeah, is about to be engaged. Okay. You know? And so. <laughs> That's interesting though, because I said it for the exact reason, like the opposite, like. To preempt. That, yeah. If you yeah. knew the mechanism was in play. Yeah, that if that trap snapped shut at any time, it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't seem rude. <laughs> oh, you're fucking you broken. You did not dude. anticipate the workings of my brain. No, so uh, you want me to do it more like mice and men style, you know, like look off into that that sunset and then <laughs> conversation over. Bam. Maybe, but what I was also noticing, and I don't know how often I do this. Maybe you can tell me how often I do this. But if I get off the phone and I have like a few things, like we always kind of have some things that are in progress, like mm -hmm. that will require some updates later, whether it's just things that we want to talk about or people that we're booking for the podcast or like things that we're working on. So at the end of that conversation, I noticed myself going like, okay, this and this and this, like, I'll let you know about this. I'll let you know about this. We'll touch base on blah, blah, blah. Mm. I was like, I wonder how often I do that. Well, like just to sum it up almost? To sum it up or to like put a, deliberately put a pin mm. in something. Like this may be over for now, but we have shit to address later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. I have heard you do that a bunch. I don't think, I don't think you do it excessively. Like it's not, like it's not every conversation. I definitely do it habitually. I, yeah. I don't know if I do it every conversation, but like. I don't, I also don't worry about it being excessive. I'm just wondering, like, is it that much of a habit? Oh. And why might it be a habit? I don't know. But I mean, it is effective, like when it happens, because it is kind of just a good way of like, it's generally going to be a break in whatever tone the conversation has been. Yeah. Unless it's been purely technical or pu like purely logistical or something like that the entire time. Um, it's it's going to be a departure. And then it's also, it's just that reassurance that no matter w how this ends, <laughs> we have to talk again because we have these things coming up. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's like we have a thing on Wednesday. So like, <laughs> even if you pissed me off right now, <laughs> it'll be fine then. I don't know, like it sounds weird to like put such a fine point on it, but it's almost... I don't know if it highlights the absurdity of that anxiety quickly or if it just reminds you that no matter how poignant it might feel, it's temporary. Mm, yeah. But for me, it does something like that. And it's it's not quite that like thought out. Like it's not so much of a roller coaster. It's just more of like, oh yeah, okay, we're going to talk again in four days. But yeah, it just reminds me that like I probably wasn't rude right then. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, I mean, it might also be like a, demonstrating value thing like it could be i'm assuring you that i will remember to pick up where we left off i'm assuring you that i will remember to do the things that i've been tasked with mm. you know we should end all of our conversations with sentences like just very heartfelt very solemn sentences <laughs> like that 
People think we've become monks or something, dude. We will end every single podcast with, I assure you, this isn't over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what the listener wants. Uh, no, but so one of the things that we had talked about to maybe address the social mechanisms that we're talking about is like maybe going forward, like especially with, with topics that you're more interested in, that like you would lead the way more yeah. so than I would lead the way in our recording sessions. And, you know, I, I find that like since I'm the more experienced interviewer, I kind of fell into that role, but it's not something that we ever really talked about. Yeah. So I had suggested to you a while back, like if you are trying to kind of finely tune your conversational cues, mm. what might be a good strategy is if going forward on the podcast, you were to lead the way on more of them. And that yeah. way, like you're in charge of the start of the conversation and where it ends. And even if you fumble, I'm going to be the one editing it. So I'll make you look good anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's a great idea. Like it, I cannot overstate how far out of my comfort zone that is, Yeah. but it's in a good way. Like, I think it is something that like, I really do want to get good at. And, uh, I have virtually no experience with so it's like it would be it'd be really interesting i don't know what'll happen i don't know if it'll be like super organic at first but i mean it has been kind of cool to like even just to get to know you more over conversations that have happened on mic like we met off mic obviously but i mean like before we really got to know each other like we had more conversations on mic than off mm. like at least through like friday night folks so like that's true. It's been kind of interesting to watch your style and like learn stuff, but also then yeah. kind of see like, okay, like now I see why he's doing this or I see where this would come from. So it's, yeah. it's interesting to me to see like, can I implement any of that shit? Because <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea if I can, but it'll be a cool challenge. Well, I don't know if you remember this, but, and I mean, it's, this is not to say that it's easy every time, but you very much did exactly what we we're talking about when we recorded our episode with Devery, which isn't out yet, but like you very much took the, the captain's chair. And that one is funny too. I think about that sometimes with this, like, I feel like if we could do that one again, I would, now I know what I'm supposed to do there. For some reason, something caught me off guard about it and I just never got back on balanced footing. But like when it's a thought experiment, for some reason that I, I can at least see the outline of what I'm supposed to be doing. Cause right. you just have to be annoying. Like, you know, you just have to kind of constantly be asking, Hey, but what about this? What about this? Yep. And like, love that. Yeah. That's the shit. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. So, yeah. But, so welcome to that feeling. Um, <laughs> that's my least favorite thing. <laughs> it's like regretting how you structured an interview or like not bringing up things that you wanted to bring up and, ugh. Mm. but We'll get through it together. We'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to it. Yeah. And also I've told you like if, um, you know, I've been, I've been checking in with you every once in a while about like whether you wanted to have more of a leadership role, not a leadership role, but like a, a host, a co-host role mm. in um, our Thursday night discussion group. So if you do ever want to be like, Hey, here's a topic that we're doing and, and lead the way into that, then. No, I'm definitely down. Even I mean, those would even be a totally different dynamic too because it's sort of more, it just becomes more of a roundtable so quickly. Right, yeah. Which is interesting. Like it's it's very similar to this, but it's also, it just kind of, it diffuses. 
mm. much more immediately, which is interesting. So yeah, that'd be fun. It's equally nerve wracking, but equally good, I would say. Like it's, yeah. I, Cause a big part of it for me is just the way that I listen. Like for some reason I can do it in like a meeting, but I can't always do it in a social setting or like on mic where like, you know, you're kind of like, you're, you're listening, but you're also kind of like contorting yourself around the next point. Like you're coming up with what you might say here or a rebuttal or a counterpoint or whatever, like that it, you're just divided on what you're doing. And, um, it just makes it so that the conversation can be more of a volley. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if that's what you're doing during tapings, but like, that's what I do during like meetings and stuff and I can do it there. But, for some reason, it's like the way that I listen when it's this kind of a discussion, it's prone to there being enormous silences or just bullshit in between actual points. Mm. I have no idea if that comes out after it's been edited, but like... Well, I think Zoom contributes to that. Yeah, definitely. Because like you don't, it's it's more dangerous over Zoom to talk over people. Yeah. Because yeah. you're definitely going to miss what they were saying. Yeah. As opposed to like in the in the, in the same room as them, you're going to hear a little bit of it at least. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you're definitely going to be talking over people, and it's just harder to recognize those conversational cues. So, I feel the same way that like when I record podcasts with people in person, or uh, have any conversation in person, the the space between the volley, yes, yeah. is, is to, or the space between the returns within the volley. Sure. Uh, it's a lot shorter. Yeah. And then on Zoom or like over the phone or whatever, like I just prime myself for listening more mm. and then I become less accustomed to speaking. Huh. So there tend to be longer monologues and longer, like uh, a longer space between the the volley and the return and the whatever. So That's interesting. I wonder if anyone's ever yeah. studied that, like the length of each volley yeah if it changes when it's digital or if it's changed at all just now that so much of the world is digital there are cool some people i've noticed that just make five minute points no matter what <laughs> you and i tend pretty consistently this is a weird thing to know about people <laughs> <laughs> you and i tend to pretty consistently <laughs> speak for two and a half to four minutes huh okay before we let the other person go Interesting. It's a very weird thing to know about somebody, but there are other <laughs> it's people. It's like a pop song, though. Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> hit, hit quality, dude. That's what we aim for. <laughs> but there are other people <laughs> who quite regularly speak for five to six minutes before hmm. letting the volley go to the other side. See, that's interesting as hell, because that wouldn't happen in person quite as easily. Like, that definitely, I mean... Some people Sometimes I would. go eight to ten, in in person and over Zoom. <laughs> but I'm just picturing like if it weren't like a late night like hanging out kind of conversation or something, but just you know talking outside of a club or whatever, like something where people mm -hmm. are kind of moving around. For each person to make like if everybody was speaking for like six minutes, for two people to make like a few points, you have to be out there for like a half an hour or more. Yeah. And it's just crazy to like, to really think about it, like the full extent of a conversation happening when those volleys are longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I never thought about that before, but yeah, this must've changed things. And honestly, watching people and watching myself too on the screen, 
like, do you ever just get completely sidetracked by my hair? Yeah. Yeah. Like hair or like <laughs> a, uh, maybe like a tick or a habit that you have or that the other person has or the guest ha- whatever, just like noticing, oh, I wonder if that's like their tell, you know, and you start oh, getting yeah. like sucked into like, Oh, that's interesting. Like they've done that every time they've made this kind of point. Like, I wonder if that means, so. and then fuck, what were they saying? Oh God, I have to reel it back in. And I, it's like, that's the kind of shit I worry about hosting duties wise. Yeah. <laughs> That happens so freaking much. And I try not to show it because it's completely involuntary, but like I'll just go meandering off down. Like they've rapped on the table four or five times every time they've made a point about this subject. I wonder if that means they're off balance about this or do they want to go into it further? And like it just, it's like being called on in class, you know, and you just haven't been paying attention. <laughs> You're like, fuck, oh God. I get that sometimes. I wonder if that's why smoking socially is so good. <laughs> you heard it here, kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just thinking, like, you, I think you, you do those tells when, like, you don't know what to do with your hands and, like, you feel like somebody's, like, when you feel like someone's judging your movements and your actions and, like, your tics. Yep. Isn't it good to have, like, a ritualistic thing to be doing with your hands so that someone can't read you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My brother pointed out a couple of days ago that, um, which I know that I do this, but I didn't know that he knew that I do this, um, that I Uh fuck with my hair, like on the front when I'm Uh like nervous in a social situation or when I'm like kind of squirming about the next thing I have to say. And now that I know that somebody else knows, like I've suspected, (laughs) but now that I have it confirmed, it's all I fucking think about when I'm talking to anyone. And, uh, yeah, so it's, I don't know, but like, there's like this morbid curiosity with all those little kind of subtextual things that people mm. do in a conversation or that I do in a conversation. And it's, Zoom definitely puts them on a bit of a pedestal because it's like, you're just seeing it the whole time. How do you think you would fare with like a full pomaded pompadour? <laughs> I don't know. I try it. Yeah? Yeah. That would keep you from doing that. Yeah. I'd still try. Like, I know my head would, hand would go up there. But that's why if I have a cigarette, it doesn't, yeah, I just kind of do that. But yeah, I don't know. It's always like, because it's just the way that I like process stuff too. It's not always strictly a nervous thing. It's just I pace or I, I mean, you've seen with the golf club or (laughs) like the stress ball. Like there's always a thing. Right now it's a lighter. Like there's just... I got to be like twirling something around when I'm thinking through something or like trying to brainstorm or, or listen. I just, I don't know, one of those people. I was never like a doodler, but like I'm always like fidgeting around with like some objects. So I don't know. I think I just realized that I play with my beard. Oh yeah. You kind of do. Yeah. 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 I scratch my beard and I cover my mouth. Huh. Huh. Okay. Well, we both have things. (laughs) I mean, everyone kind of does, you know, and it's, that, that's why it's so interesting to me. It's not a judgment thing. It's just kind yeah. of a like, oh, that's, that's cool. Like that's theirs. Like, you know, you just pick up on stuff after a while and, and I don't try to, that's the thing that always like derails me when I'm, when it's like a more directed conversation. Yeah. Is it's just like, it's there and I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. And I start following that. I'm like, nope, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is not what we're talking about. <laughs> So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll reel that shit in and get this all down. 
Thank you.